0: Hello and welcome back to the Come Follow Me Bible Challenge. My name is Jeremy Howard. I am on staff as the pastor here at Orchard Hills Bible Church in Payson, Utah. Thanks for joining me today. Our going through the New Testament based on the schedule created by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints brings us to the book of John today, the Gospel of John. And we're going to look at chapter 6. And I want to do something uh, just a little bit different starting off this episode by jumping to one verse at the end of the chapter or toward the end of the chapter just to wet your appetite a little bit. Okay, here's the verse. It is John 6, verse 66. So don't get afraid with any kind of 666 stuff. You'll be okay, okay? Uh, John 6, verse 66, it says... As a result of this, many of Jesus' disciples withdrew and were not talking with him anymore. (laughs) Does that whet your appetite? Huh, what on earth could cause such a situation? Because of this, many of his disciples were withdrawing and just not talking to him anymore. If you're married, you know what that's like. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right, well, let's jump into uh, John chapter 6, starting in verse 51, and uh, we'll read through the end of the chapter. It's a 70-verse chapter, which is a long chapter in the Bible, but let's go ahead and uh, read it as a whole, 20 verses, John 6, 51 to 70, and see what all the hubbub is about. John 6, verse 51, it says, Jesus speaking, I am the bread, the living bread, excuse me, I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also, which I will give for the life of the world, is my flesh. Then the Jews began to argue with one another, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, and i live because of the father so he who eats me and he or sorry he who eats me he also will live because of me this is the bread which came down out of heaven not as the fathers ate and died he who eats this bread will live forever wow kind of hard hard to read sentences that were structured a little bit differently there i'll blame it on the bible not my own reading Maybe I shouldn't do that. I'm having a hard time reading today. All right, verse 59. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, conscious that his disciples grumbled at this, said to them, Does this cause you to stumble? What then if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe, and who it was that would betray him. And he was saying, For this reason I have said to you, that no one can come to me unless it has been granted him from the Father. As a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not talking with him anymore. So Jesus said to the twelve, You do not want to go away also, do you? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I myself not choose you, the twelve, and yet... One of you is a devil? (laughs) Okay. Well, we could spend the next lifetime in that passage, couldn't we? So much to see. Well, uh, you have the passage starting off here with Jesus saying that he is the living bread that came down from heaven. That's the the big overall teaching that kind of launches the conversation into these different directions with these different audiences. He had the Jews that were around, his disciples beyond the twelve who were around, and then he had, of course, the 12. And here he is uh, speaking to these different audiences, all from the perspective of him being the living bread coming down out of heaven, who was sent by, it says in verse 57 of our passage, he was sent by the living Father. Interestingly, this is the only place in the New Testament, maybe in the Bible, probably the only place in the Bible, where we have the term living Father used. Now, of course, living God is in multiple places. Our God is the living God. But here Jesus refers to the Father as the living Father. And Jesus is not just saying that he is the living bread that came down from heaven, and there he is, behold the loaf, and be amazed by the loaf of bread. Sit around, smell, and point at it and talk about how awesome it is. That's not what he's saying. though. That's all well and good. My wife is a great bread maker, and man, when you walk home, walk into the house, after a fresh loaf of bread has come out of the oven, what an amazing smell. It's great just to smell bread, and to be around bread, and to admire an amazing homemade loaf of bread. However, Jesus goes on to say, (laughs) That eating is an important part here. Let me just do a quickle, a quickle, a quick, I'm having a hard time eating, aren't I? Eat. Look how how often eat comes up here in this section where he's talking to the Jews. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And they ask, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And he says, truly I say to you, you have to eat the flesh of the Son of Man. If you eat his flesh and drink his blood, you'll have eternal life. If you eat his flesh and drink his blood, you will abide in him. Okay? So you have eat showing up several times and drink. Let's do that one too. Uh, Five times. So seven times you have, or four. Seven times you have eating, four times you have drinking, eating his flesh, drinking his blood is what he is teaching. Not just that he's bread that came down to be admired, but he's bread that came down that it would be eaten and if one eats of this bread, he will live forever. That's the promise that Jesus gives. Now, of course, um, even though he does go on to say that the bread, which he will give for the life of the world, is his flesh, he's not saying that everyone who is to have eternal life is to literally eat a portion of his flesh. Hey, if that were the case, there would not be enough flesh to go around, Right? That uh, it just wouldn't wouldn't work, and it's also important to note here too that he's not talking about communion. It seems, uh, or if you have an LDS background, you grew up calling it sacrament. If you have a Roman Catholic background, perhaps you've called it the Eucharist. Uh, if you have a more reform background, perhaps you've called it the Lord's Table. All right, there are lots of different names, but uh, communion is what we call it here, where we eat a, a piece of bread and we drink juice, we don't drink actual wine here, but that's fine if you want to drink wine. You know, if you're LDS, you grew up sacrament meeting drinking water instead of juice or wine, which I do think there's something wrong with that, actually. But if you have juice or wine with your bread, that's you're remembering what Jesus has done. The bread represents his flesh. The cup, the juice or the wine, represents his blood. You're eating and drinking in remembrance of the sacrifice of Christ, giving up his body sacrificing Himself in our place for our sins, and, and that's what that's all about. We do that once a month currently at our church, but I don't think that's what He's talking about here, even though there's clearly a correlation. Uh, he, he doesn't mention the church observing communion here in this passage. Jesus doesn't. The Apostle John doesn't insert any commentary about communion here uh, or in His gospel as a whole you would have to go to Matthew and Luke to get that. And it happens later in Jesus's life. It doesn't happen here at this event. This is the feeding of the 5,000 is the event we kind of jumped into. Sorry, I didn't give you that context before, but um, the institution of communion happens later at the Passover. Okay. So it's not, it doesn't match up on the timeline at all. And so for all of those factors, I don't think that's what Jesus has in view here is, is communion though. There is a correlation and he's, teaching some of the same themes as communion. We can obviously recognize that, but I don't think he's instituting the official commemorative event that God's church is to observe on a regular basis, communion. In any case, at any rate, you know, people argue on that, but that's that's my view. Uh, Still, Jesus is teaching something very important here about his flesh and his blood. In fact, he says in no uncertain terms here in verse 53... That unless you do this, eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you're without life. You have no life in yourself. You don't have any life given to you. You're just without life. But if you eat his flesh, you know, so he's calling himself the Son of Man here. If you eat his flesh, if you drink his blood, you will have eternal life. And you will be raised up by Jesus, resurrected, on the last day. And that's a resurrection to glory, not a resurrection to condemnation, because there will be some who are resurrected to judgment. Jesus talked about this in the chapter previous, actually, John chapter 5, somewhere in the 20s, I believe, of, uh, of that chapter. He talks about the resurrection. Some will be resurrected to life, others will be resurrected to judgment. Well, here he's saying, if you will have life, eternal life, if you eat his flesh and drink his blood, and you'll be resurrected to life in the last day by Jesus himself. So a lot's riding on this eating and drinking, and we have to define it. If he's not talking about literally eating his flesh, and if he's not talking about, uh, you know, literally drinking his blood, if he's not talking about communion or sacrament, the Eucharist, the Lord's table, then what is he talking about here? What could be the action step for someone who hears this teaching and says, well, I want eternal life, so what do I do? Well, I think the answer is actually found in that same chapter, John chapter 6, but up earlier in the passage, that a verse that precedes the section I just read. And I already have it for us here on the screen. John 6:40. Jesus said, This is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life. And I myself will raise him up on the last day. So you see the correlation here, direct correlation between these verses. You have Jesus saying, if you eat his flesh and drink his blood, you'll have eternal life. That's what we read down farther in the passage. Here, he who beholds the Son and believes in him will have the same result, eternal life. So Jesus isn't offering two different pathways to eternal life. One way, you know, is to behold the Son and believe in him, and the other way is to eat his his flesh and drink his blood. I think he's actually saying the same thing in a different way. And verse 40 obviously strikes our ear a little bit better. It's much more literal. He who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life. A different way of saying that, a more metaphorical way of saying that, a way that causes the listener to have to you know pause ponder really consider what Jesus is saying and how that applies to him is to say you have to eat his flesh and drink his blood you have to consume the son of man into your personal life there has to be a total personal application that results with like a oneness where you are in him and he is in you and that's metaphorically represented with eating in Carl Laney's commentary on the book of John, I thought he made a good point here, saying, you know, that even though that sounds strange to us, we use metaphors like this all the time. In fact, one is that's very common and related to this metaphor is digest. We'll say something like, Oh, I need to, you know, digest what I just read for a while. Meaning I need to to think on that for some time. I need to meditate on that. I need to really consider how this applies and how that affects me. And it's really the same sort of thing. You need to not just recognize that Jesus is who he said he was and observe and wave and, and say, that's great. Off I go. No, no, no. If you were to have eternal life, you are to consume him, you are to bring him into your life, that he would be in you and you in him, and that there would be this mutual abiding. In 1 Corinthians 6, it says that the one who has joined himself to the Lord, he is one spirit with him. There's a, a mystical union that occurs when there's genuine faith, and that's what's illustrated here by the eating and drinking. There's a, a total union that's taking place that really freaks some people out. I mean, so you got the Jews here that Jesus is talking to that probably just didn't understand. I mean, it is a difficult statement. They just, they're saying, what on earth is he talking about? And so they're getting a little upset. And then for those who are getting it perhaps and thinking, well, he must be speaking metaphorically and he must be meaning something pretty significant about how people are to take, embrace, and apply him and his teachings to their lives. But who is he to say that, right? I mean, people who denied the lordship of Jesus Christ, that he is God in flesh, they would say, wow, what a prideful, egotistical maniac. What a jerk. And so uh, what you have here are amazing statements from Jesus in verses 52 to 58. And (laughs) his disciples responding, so this is up here, he's talking to the Jews, because the Jews are saying, verse 52, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And that's where Jesus goes on to make these great statements. Well, now the disciples hear his answers to the Jews, and these are the disciples beyond the 12. He had more than just the 12. When they heard it, they said, this is tough. This is a really difficult statement. Who can listen to it? <laughs> who who can understand, who can really grasp what's happening here? And Jesus not only heard what they said, of course, but he was conscious that his disciples were grumbling at this. And grumbling kind of gets more to the heart of what's going on. So it's not just that they're saying, you know, Lord, we, we are really wanting to grasp this, and we just don't get it. It's almost like they are understanding the weight of what he's saying, and they're grumbling at the, at the weight of it. Or they just don't like the teaching. They just they just plain, straight up, don't like it. And so Jesus replies, this causes you to stumble, huh? What if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? John's already taught us in his gospel, John chapter 3, that there's no one who has uh, ascended into heaven except for the one who has descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Jesus came from heaven. And he says, so me, he says to his disciples here, so me teaching you this is really, it's a hang-up for you. It's an obstacle for you. For you're struggling with this. You're struggling to digest this teaching, you could say. <laughs> you're really struggling with this. Can you imagine if you saw me ascend into heaven, how much that would cause you to struggle? Because apparently they just weren't grasping everything at play. Now, it's possible he was saying, if he ascended into heaven, if they saw him ascend to heaven, that would help them. Like, oh, you're, you're struggling with this? Well, would it help you if you beheld me ascending into heaven and then you would just fully accept all of my sayings? It's hard to know exactly what Jesus meant by that question, but it's probably one of those two things. And he goes on to say, he doesn't even give them a chance to answer. He just goes on to say, you know, look, the Spirit, he's the one who gives life. Your flesh... It profits you nothing. What an amazing statement for religious people, too, by the way. Do you believe this? If you're listening to this and you're someone who is seeking to earn his or her own exaltation, your flesh profits nothing. The Spirit, He's the one who gives life. You can't create life in and of yourself. You are totally, utterly dependent on the Spirit of God. And He uses the words of Jesus. Because Jesus says right after that, the spirit gives life; the flesh profits nothing. And the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. Yet some of you just don't believe. So the answer, the solution here to all of this, of man, I, I struggle with this statement. I, I struggle to have assurance that I'm, you know, doing what I'm supposed to do. That I'm going to heaven. I, I I am just having a difficult time with my religious life. The solution is to embrace the words of Jesus because that's where spirit and life are found and to believe. Earlier in this very chapter, I believe it's verse twenty nine, John six, twenty nine, Jesus says this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. Jesus. Yeah, that's it. Verse 29, just found it. Jesus said to them, This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. What are you to do in order to have eternal life, to possess the riches of life, to have treasure and light and assurance? You are to believe in the words of Jesus, who says, take me in, consume me. I I have to be totally, fully, completely taken into your heart. Through faith, not through a literal eating, not through a religious work of of doing this, observing, you know, some sort of religious rite. He initially enters our heart to stay, to make his abode with us. That's John chapter 14, where Jesus says that he and the Father make their home in our hearts. And of course, the Spirit indwells. He comes into our heart that we would cry out, Abba, Father, all beginning at salvation, the initial moment of salvation, and to stay. They, the persons of the Godhead, they don't leave, but they remain. When a person believes in the gospel and is adopted into God's family and becomes one of God's children by being justified by grace through faith, that person then has God forevermore. And we aren't to grumble at Jesus' teaching, but we are to see the life and the Spirit that is found in Jesus' teaching. Yet, not, not everybody will believe. And Jesus knew from the beginning, it says in verse 64, Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who it was that would betray him, Judas Iscariot. And he was saying, For this reason I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted him from the Father. No one can come to me unless it has been granted him from the Father. That's a very heavy statement. Back in verse 44 of John chapter 6, Jesus says, No one can come to me unless the Father draws him. Right? So, um, how do you know if the Father has drawn you? That's an important question. Well, you come to the place where you truly believe in him As your work before God, you believe in the words of Jesus, you believe in the work of Jesus, and you trust, you rest in the finished work of Christ on your behalf, not seeking to add to it or subvert it or whatever with your own doing, but you're recognizing that your flesh profits you nothing and the Spirit is giving you life through the word and work of Jesus alone. Has that happened in your life? Hmm unless you eat his flesh and drink his blood, you will not have eternal life. That's very, very important to consider. It is uh, of utmost paramount significance that you understand where you are with that. And unless you have eaten the flesh of the Son of God and drunk his blood, you will not have eternal life. That means there are people that will not have eternal life. Some of you have been taught that there are different you know, levels, kingdoms of heaven, and everyone's basically going to go to one of the three kingdoms. Not according to Jesus. You have to eat his flesh and drink his blood to have eternal life. So what that's saying is those who reject him are going to suffer death. They will not have life in themselves. They're going to have death. There are consequences, eternal consequences, a punishment that awaits those who reject Jesus, Son of God and Son of Man. Well, let's keep reading, because <clears throat> there's this amazing statement from Peter. You know, you have all these disciples, this is the verse I opened up with, you have all these disciples withdrawing from him, not talking to him anymore. So Jesus turns to the twelve and says, you don't want to go away also, do you? And Peter speaks, because Peter always speaks, and he's kind of representing the group, and he says... What a beautiful statement. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have believed. Notice he says believed, not we have done, X, Y, Z. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. So, yeah, where else would they go? there's a great Christian hymn, a modern hymn, titled, Jesus, I, My Cross, Have Taken. And it talks about, the world may leave me, the world may hate and forsake me. They've left my Savior too. And kind of in this moment here, you have everything getting quiet. All the noise from the big feeding of the 5,000 event and the Jews being there and these other disciples being there, all the noise is just kind of going away. You know, imagine um, that that you're in this situation. You're out maybe in a field or at the beach or wherever. And there you are with a very small group of people after a bunch of people have been there partying all day, you know, coolers out, having a great time, music playing and people just trickling out, trickling out. There they go. And it's dusk. And there you are alone with just a few people in Jesus. What an amazing moment. And and we know in this case, the people have left. They've trickled out because they've rejected Jesus. Do you go with the group that perhaps you formerly identified with? This group that's rejecting the biblical gospel? This group that's rejecting the biblical Christ? This group that's rejecting grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone? Or do you stay there even though that makes you an outcast from society. Even though, you know, the group you're with is kind of goofy. There are just 11 other people there, and one of them's a devil, as we learn in the next verse. And, you know, just a handful of you. Do you stay there? I hope so. I want to, because that's where Jesus is. I want to be where Jesus is. I, You know, the world may abandon me. My own family might abandon me. But if I have Jesus, I have everything. There's this old statement that's, I don't know, a little corny, but it's so true. God plus nothing equals everything. I mean, I I don't need anything else if I have God. And I can only have God through the person and work of Jesus Christ. And day by day... It is my duty to return my heart, my mind back to that gospel, that, that message of hope through which I was saved, that I would continually feast on Jesus, eat his flesh, and drink his blood, that I would continue to behold and believe the Son of Man, and therefore not only have eternal life once for all, but have that eternal life and that eternal perspective renewed day by day. Well, thanks so much for joining me. I hope that this helps you understand a little bit more about the Bible, about the biblical gospel, about what God has for you to do. This is the work of God, that you believe in the one whom he has sent. Thanks for joining me. God bless.